Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Please follow along as I read James 2, 1 through 13. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you, pay, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. I was also told to um, mention that we are going to have a toddler church for ages 3 to 5 today. So if somebody wants to participate in that, they can, you can do that as well. Okay. All right, we, so uh, back in September, we began a new series um, in the book of James. And so we've been spending a little bit of time in that. And then last week... Uh, toward the end of the message, we began to transition into um, the fullness, if you would, the ultimate understanding of believing that God is the giver of every good, morally good gift, and every perfect bestowment. That if you really believe that, if you really believe that God gives good and perfect gifts, then ultimately you're going to want to be what he's calling you to be because you understand who he is. And you're going to want to do what he's calling you to do because you're going to understand what he has done. And so following his pattern, you're going to want to be like him. You're going to want to do as he does. Those two concepts are going to lead you to what is called here is the perfect law of liberty. And we saw then that in this concept with this perfect law of liberty, that one who wants to be the doer of that word, so he wants to be doers, right? That he's going to receive the word, he's going to apply it to his life, he's going to study it, he's going to continue in it, but then he's going to understand what that perfect law is. And that perfect law of liberty is summed up by what Jesus declared as loving your neighbor as yourself. That there is a freedom in Christ that I no longer have to worry about whether I become unclean by the law. So I have to 
to adhere to the law, and I cannot minister necessarily to people because of the law. But rather, being freed from the law, I now have the freedom, the liberty, to serve without fear of condemnation. So as I then, back to James chapter 1 in the beginning, as I stumble into, as I encounter all these troublesome situations, these trials, these temptations in my life, I can consider it all joy, happiness, gladness, because I know that my God has allowed those things into my life for a reason, that now I have the opportunity, I have the privilege, I have the freedom, I have the liberty to serve other people while either exposing my faith as true and growing or exposing sinfulness in my life. Now, a lot of those times, as was mentioned this morning, right, that the exposing of my sinfulness is usually tied to the fact that I don't want to serve others. I want to love me rather than loving others. And so that perfect law of liberty, as we're going to see, has a two-edged sword. Okay? James now is going to take this theme of the perfect, perfect law of liberty, and he's going to apply it into three different areas. We're going to spend three weeks, Lord willing, looking at each one of these areas. And today we want to look at the first one, and that is loving, if you would, or love without partiality. And so that's what we look at today. It's, again, many times we read passages and we take them out of the context in which they are written. But again, remember, James didn't write a book. This isn't chapter 2 to James. Okay? He's writing a letter. And so this is what we're reading now and what we're going to talk about comes right on the heels of him talking about being doers of the word and not hearers only, rather, okay? And that pure religion and undefiled is these things, taking care of the widows and the orphans, right? And so now he's going to get into this right off the bat with a command that he tells us, and that is, do not hold the faith of your Lord with partiality. And you can see, again, I love my colors, right? And so do, do not hold with partiality the faith of our Lord. And I understand now it goes on, our Lord, and it talks about Jesus Christ of glory. And there's a, it, depending on what version you're going to read, it may say, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. It may say, um, the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. It may say, uh, Lord Jesus Christ of glory. Some may say, Lord twice. It's not there twice in the Greek. Anyways, so I'm ignoring that part of the glory. The, the fact is that he's, he's glorious, right? And he is the Lord of glory. So there's no big deal. We get that. But the, the, the little part here that we want to start is, is that it's a faith. There is a faith that we should not hold the faith of our Lord with partiality. This is going to be the basis of everything he's going to talk about. And so we understand the concept of faith. It's believing, right? That um, you can say that you understand that you know gravity, but when you're on that roof, the proof of your faith in gravity, if you would, is that you don't go walking off the side. That makes sense. I mean, that's it, it plays out at that very moment. You say, no, no, I believe in gravity so much that I'm going to stay on the, the roof. Okay? If you don't really believe there's a gravity, you're going to find out in a moment. You're going to have experiential knowledge of gravity, right? So, so there is that concept, and we'll talk about that next week, Lord willing, as we get to faith versus works, that, that, how that plays out. But here we have this concept, and so I, I go to Galatians. So if you want to turn there, you can, but I have it up on the screen for right now. Um, and that is that this faith that I have now becomes into this commonness thing that we have together, okay? And so we then call it the faith. Well, what's the faith? 
Well, it's the faith in that we have in common in Jesus Christ. So Paul says in Galatians 1.23, but they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith. Well, it's the exact same word as we're going to see here in Galatians 3.22-24 being used multiple times in different manners, okay? But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith, still the same word, pistis, okay? Um, in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe, that's actually our word pistuo, so it's the verb form of it, they have faith, the ones having faith. We translate it as believe, but it really is, you could put that in there, the ones having faith, okay? And so, but before faith came, we were kept under the guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So, so there's a reality that I'm going to be justified by what? Faith. This is a no-brainer, right? I'm not justified, as we talked about in Sunday school, I'm not justified by my works, because my works will never, ever, 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 ever do it, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm justified by, by faith. But in that, then, we all understand that, that that's a common thing. And so that is the faith that we have in common. So this is a hard part, okay, because we get into these terms, orthodoxy and everything else, and yada, yada, yada. But biblically, when we talk about the faith, in a nutshell, what is it? What is the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ? That like God came to the earth, right? He who was perfect came to the world, the, the, the perfect bestowment, the perfect gift, right? Comes to the earth. He bears my sin. I'll be generous, bears yours too. But he bears my sin on the what? On the cross. And he pays the penalty that I owe. And not then is he just buried, but that he what? Raises from the dead on the, the third day. That bears witness, if you would. The resurrection bears witness that the sacrifice was accepted on my behalf. That's the faith. Now, everything else is... You can say it adds into it and it's important, that kind of stuff. But when it all, when everything boils down to the, the essence, that's it. As Paul stated in Rome, at 1 Corinthians 15, right? Christ bore our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And I like how Paul adds there, and also in 1 Corinthians 15, and that he was seen. Because we can say he was raised from the dead, and that's just a story. But he was what? He was seen. There was witnesses. Okay? So that's it. So when we talk about this, do not hold with partiality the faith of our Lord. That's what we're talking about. So having that basic core understanding of what we believe, you can't hold that truth with any partiality, with any thinking of other people in an improper manner. John or James now, right, takes this command and he instantly gives then a co the contradiction that they're living in. You have this truth, you have this command, but you got a problem. There's this contradiction that's happening. And first of all, there is the scenario that he's going to pre present and it's presenting the pattern of man. So what does he say happens? So you know this is true, but you're gathering together and in comes a what? A rich man, okay? Now, we can say rich man, but I'm going to put it as 
just somebody of a, a certain social status, okay? Because it could be a politician, okay? So it may not be necessarily the richest politician, but it doesn't matter. It's somebody of a certain social status who comes in, and what do we instantly want to do? Oh, come, can you, hey, you mind getting up? Senators here, you know, I don't care if you're a visitor. Anyways, you, 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 you get it? I mean, think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll do that, and we'll push people aside because pecking order happened. This rich person's here. We want to give them the best seat. Well, actually, we wouldn't give them the best seat. We'd give them the back seat, right? So the people in the back, you got to move. Anyways, so but however that plays out, all of a sudden we start getting, giving preferential treatment to people based upon a non-eternal factor. It could be the color of your skin. It could be whether you're wearing a suit coat or not a suit coat. Whether you're wearing jeans or whether you're wearing, whether you're having a polo shirt on. You get where I'm going with this, right? Um, Jose and I were met yesterday morning, and he said that there's, there's some Spanish um, phrase that he uses, and, and he told me, I was like, whatever. And <laughs> that was a blah, 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 to me. Anyways, anyways, but you said it, and then you try to bring it out, right? And it was predisposition is kind of where we're talking about. And I said, it's pretty cool because that's actually what we're going to talk about tomorrow because we have these predispositions toward people. We're predisposed to think about people in a certain way. That predisposition leads us to a pre-justice, a pre-judgment. That's our word what? Prejudice. It brings a prejudice. That prejudice leads then to our actions, actually how we interact with people. And so I see an individual. So again, I grew up in a city, okay? So I think city on this, okay? And so I don't have necessarily prejudices based upon skin colors, but I do have prejudice based upon colors, not skin colors, but colors, you know, because you, you, you wear your colors in the city and that kind of stuff. I do have it based upon how they dress, how they act, what they're going to drive, and that kind of stuff. And so those are things that you struggle with as you come even in life, right? You, you fight against those things that, are, that, that were set down in you as, you as you get older. If you're wearing black and purple today, it's a bad day for me, okay? Because that means you're a Ravens fan. You're out with you. Anyways, so I'm joking about that. But that's for real, okay? And so back in the city, man, you don't do those kind of stuff, man. You wear your colors right. And so, um, But you then begin to assess people. And so I got this hood guy and i'm not talking color i'm talking about just you know that i mean i can think of kids that were, were growing up that you know had the brass knuckles had the whatever and so the minute i saw them what did i do i i, I judged i saw them yeah i crossed the street no i probably didn't actually i probably went to grab something of my own anyways so i grew up in a city so but i judged i predisposed them at that moment that that's what they were going to be, and when I met up with them, that this was going to happen. So I'm already preparing myself for what? Confrontation. Isn't that something? And many times confrontations happen because why? Well, not just like knowledge, but because I made it. I, I expected it. I, I brought this in with me at this moment. Okay. So James is saying, look, this isn't this isn't right. The pattern of man isn't right. You're looking and basing your assessment of people based upon how much they owe what they look like, wherever they're at. It ought not to be so. This shouldn't be the way it is. So he goes on then, because he says then, he says, um, he says, 
Have you not shown partiality, verse 4, among yourselves and become judges with what? Evil thoughts. They're evil thoughts. This is what God thinks about it. When you start doing this, they're evil thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but that takes me back to Genesis chapter 6. Why did the flood come on the earth? Because the thoughts of the man's heart were only for evil continually. It ought not to be so, especially in what? The church. This doesn't happen here. But when we let it happen here, it's evil. It's wicked. It's of the devil. It's not of God. Listen, my beloved brethren. Verse 5. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? He's going to give the other side now. And that's the standard of God. The standard, which is the pattern of God. What's the first one? God is, first of all, not a respecter of persons. Okay, I'd like to pass these out if we can. So if we can get the, the mic um, and pass it around, that would be a good thing. Okay, So I'd like to come down this side on the, the, the first sets. Okay, and Then we can come back up the other side. So I'm going to go down this way. If you're willing to, to read a verse or two or three, let me know. Okay, Steve, you're willing to grab one? Okay, so take Romans 2, 11 to 13. Okay. Coming down. Okay. Uh, yeah, Ephesians 6, 9, Christina. Okay. Coming down. Okay, Elijah. Um, Colossians 3, 23 to 25. Coming back, Abby. Okay, 1 Peter 1, 17. Coming back. Anybody in that teen room? Okay. Um, Marlis, do you want to take the two? They're from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse 2, and then Proverbs 29, verse 13. Okay. Back row, anybody? Okay, coming this way. So, Sandy, it's good to have you. Okay, Sandra. And so, take 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. Okay, um, coming through. Okay, so Todd, okay, take uh, 1 John 2, 1, and then um, Janet, um, Galatians 3, 28 to 29. This is where, like, my old my old brain gets tested here. Coming through. Tucker, did your hand go up? Okay. Uh, Colossians 3, 11. Okay. Yes? No? Yes? Yeah, okay. Um, Lily, take uh, Romans 1, 16. Idris? Yeah? yeah? Go for it. Okay. So Romans 3, 29 and 30. Okay. Coming, coming back around. I got just a couple more. Okay, Ted. Psalm 140, verse 12. Okay, I got three more. Coming up. I'm coming up. Okay, Debbie. We got... 140, verse 12, I think. Did I give that to anybody else yet? Okay, good. Okay, that's where I'm at. Okay, Proverbs 14, verse 31. Okay. Phyllis, yes? Okay. Uh, Psalm 41, verse 1. Okay. Anybody got two more coming through? Jonathan, thank you. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Marcia, you got the big one? Matthew 25, 34 to 40. We saved the best for last. All right, so... So what we got? We got God, first of all, is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons. He's, he's, he's not partial. He's totally impartial, right? And so he's not a respecter of persons, especially when it comes to judgment. This doesn't excite us very much, but it's true, okay? Because we want him to be what? Partial to us. We want him to be fair and just for everybody else, but we want him to be... <laughs> favorable to us so steve <clears throat> for there is no partiality with god for as many as have sinned without law will also perish without law and as many as have sinned in the law 
will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Hmm. That's kind of rough there, because be hearers and, and doers, right? We know that one. Be doers of the word and not what? Hearers only. Now, we know that no one's going to be saved and redeemed based upon doing the law, because you can't do it all. We're going to talk about that in a moment, right? But the reality is God still does look at people who are what? Doers and not hearers only, okay? And you're going to give an account for that, okay? So keep going, Ephesians 6, 9. Ephesians 6, 9. Masters, treat your slaves with respect. Don't threaten a slave. You know that there is one master in heaven who has authority over both of you, and he doesn't play favorites. Oh, wow. I used to own a business. I have people working for me. You need to treat those who are working for you. Masters, treat those who are underneath you as you want them to work for you. You ought to be working for them. And remember, in the end, you're going to give an account to your master, God. That's exactly right. And he doesn't play favorites. Okay? Um, Colossians 3, 23, 25. Colossians 3, 23 through 25. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. There's no partiality. He'll give you rewards, but he'll also give you the, the recompense for the evil which you have. Okay? First Peter 1, 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Wait, wait, in what? In fear. Are you sure you read that right? I mean, this is the New Testament, isn't it? I did. I read it in New King James, too. Oh, well, it must be right then. Anyways, so, so let's think about that. He, Peter's talking to believers, right? And he says, look, when you're, when you're thinking about the fact that God, there's no partiality with God, and that God's going to judge everybody equally and fairly, you should then walk in what? Fear. Who? I mean, the love of God casts out, uh, perfect love casts out fear it does so therefore if you're not loving if you're not living in the love of god in other words you're not loving others and loving god and wanting to do that you better what you better fear that's exactly right good hey proverbs 22 verse 2 marlis the rich and the poor meet together the lord is the maker of them all wow the rich and the poor meet together the lord is the what maker of them all yeah he shows no partiality he made them all they're all one and the same so why are you oh man what having a distinction between the two of them, okay? And then 29, 13. The poor man and the oppressor meet together. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Isn't that amazing? Okay? So both ways, they're both going to be judged. They meet together in that light. But God is the one who brings light to both of them. So God is not a respecter of person when it comes to judgment, but God graciously, wonderfully, is not, then also not a respecter of person when it comes to salvation. So First Timothy 2. First Timothy one. 2, 3, and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all men. All men to be saved. Isn't that kind of cool? And again, the word there is not andros, so it's just men. It's actually anthropos, which means all people. Okay? So then we have um, 1 John 2, 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also the whole world. So Jesus died not just for the elect, 
but he died for the whole world. Okay? Galatians 3, 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. He's breaking oh, down wait. all the barriers, isn't he? Okay, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free, nor male nor female. That so if you got any anything that you're basing your your priority your prejudices on, you got to what? Got to get rid of them. They, they don't exist in Christ. Colossians three three eleven. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, uncircumcised or circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. He's all and in all. Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Also to the Gentile, to the Greek, okay? So remember that even now as we are um, looking at what's going on in Israel. Okay, people want to condemn the the Arabs and uplift the Israelis. Sad thing is they're both sinners. Not one is righteous over the other. They're both sinners. And when uh, if they're not believers in Jesus Christ, when they get hit by a missile or when they get shot by a bullet, they're going to hell. I want you to think about that. You know, we want to condemn Hamas, and that's okay. I get that part of it. But are you praying for them? Pray for them to be saved. They need Jesus. They're acting just like they would act. But the Israelis are acting just like they're going to act, okay? It's the same way, and they need Jesus. Just because they're Israeli doesn't get them a buy into heaven, okay? And so we need to be thinking as we look at events going on in the world that the reality is that, that Jesus died for every single individual, and he wants to see them all come to know him, okay? Um, Romans 3, 29 and 30. Or is he the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of Gentiles? Yes, of Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what's he going to, Idris, what's he going to judge us by? At the, at the very end. Faith. Faith. In the end, it doesn't matter. All, everything else that you've done is what? Is meaningless. It's going to boil down to faith. And so the judgment, the equal, fair just judge is going to look at each individual and say, by faith, did they what? Did they believe? And it doesn't matter whether they're black or white, yellow, or green, purple, blue. It doesn't matter whether they're from an Arab state or whether they're from a European state or whether they're from an American state or whether they're from a, uh, an Oriental state. It's going to come down to, are they a believer or are they not a believer? My assessment of individuals needs to boil down to, are they a believer or not a believer? Well, he's not just a respecter of persons when it comes to that, but also he's a defender um, of the poor. So regarding the treatment of the poor, we're told that Yahweh defends the poor. So Psalm 140, verse 12. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. Okay, so then Proverbs 14, 31. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. What version are you reading now, Debbie? I like it. NASV. NASV? Okay. It taunts the poor. I love it. You, if you treat the poor improperly, who are you going to give an account to? 
God. Because he promises that he, he looks at the, 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 the situation of the poor and he's going to defend them. Okay? Well, that goes then. He rewards those who have the same mind. So not only is he going to go against those who are going against the poor, but he's going to reward those who have the same kind of mindset. So Psalm 41.1. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will consider him in time of trouble. Amen. Proverbs 19, verse 17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Yeah, so every time we do something for the poor, I got Chuck, thank you. We do it for the poor, we need to understand that we're really doing it to, to Yahweh. And Yahweh is going to bless those who do it for him. So Jesus brings up this same analogy now as he's talking about the end times, and he's talking about the sheep and the goats and, and all this kind of stuff. So in Matthew 25, read, read. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. As much as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. If you know Christ is your Savior, then you ought to be seeking to put on the love of God. God loves the poor. He takes care of the poor. So those who are his ought to walk in his steps. I'm a knight, Sir Robert, right? And, and I serve the king. I don't go out and do my own will. I do what my king asks me to do. And so my, the king gives me my if you would, my, my orders, my, my charging orders, right? And I do what he tells. So he says, Sir Robert, I love the poor. I minister to the poor. I defend the poor. I provide for the poor. As my representative, what should you do? Well, King, okay, as I go out, I, I need to be looking at the poor, and I need to defend them, and I need to see if they have any needs, and I need to be seeking to provide them in your name in your name because I represent the king and as his sir as his knight I go out and do that as his bond slave then without a will I do the same make sense well that leads us then to this contrast that he's going to bring out and so in the Greek there is a uh, you can use you, you can have the word Allah which is just but and that by itself gives a contrast but if you want to do a, a significant contrast okay you used men de men Deh, okay? Don't worry about what the words necessarily mean by themselves. It's just still doing that contrast moment, but you're highlighting it. You're making it bigger. So three little illustrations right off the bat that I have. There's many illustrations to give you. But Matthew 3, John's talking about his baptism 
in contrast to the baptism of Jesus when he's going to come. I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who's greater than me. Who, he's going to baptize you with, the, with fire and the Holy Spirit, right? Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are, are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his fields, right? So there's this contrast. I got this incredible harvest. I got two or three guys willing to go. There's a major contrast. Matthew 10, 13, he's sending his, his, his disciples out two by two, and he tells them to go into the city, and he's going to find out whether the city is, is worthy of receiving his message, right? Because if it is, there's going to be a household that's willing to what? Receive them. So if the household is worthy, then stay with them. As long as you're there, stay with them. But if you can't find a household there that's worthy, then what? Shake off the dust of your feet, okay? Major distinction and contrast. Well, he's going to do now this major distinction of a contrast right coming out of this. So just as he's talking about this, that God is not the respecter of persons, right? This leads to this major contrast then. If you love your neighbor, you fulfill the royal law. Again, the royal law is love your neighbor as yourself, okay? And so you, if you do this, if you love your neighbor, you're going to fulfill the royal law. It's the royal law. I love this term. Now, I know you, I, as a pastor in, in, a, in a conservative church, I shouldn't talk about playing poker. <laughs> but let's fast up. How many of you ever played poker? Okay. What wins it all? Royal a royal flush. <laughs> a royal flush. The royal law trumps all law. You get it? The royal law trumps all law. Jesus said, the greatest command, the greatest law, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind or strength in the Shema, right? But the second is, like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. You want to sum them all up? This is how it plays out. If you focus on loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you focus on loving your neighbor as yourself, then what will you do? You fulfill the law. You fulfill the prophets. That's how it plays out. This is the royal law. I mean, you focus on this one bing thing, you get it all. The sad thing is, I love me. I love me. Notice he doesn't say, and you shall love yourself. That's what? It's taken for granted. Love your neighbor what? Ask yourself. You do love yourself. People say, I mean, the world today, the, the, the social gospel turns, turns everything around, flips it all around. You have to learn to love yourself. You have a bad self-image, and you've got to learn to love yourself in order that you may love others. And so, therefore, it can, you can love yourself, you can love others, and then if you love others, you can finally love God. Jesus didn't say it that way. They take it and they flip it totally upside down. That's of the devil. I need to understand I'm nothing when it comes to God. But God did everything for me. And I'm something because of him. And now, therefore, because of his love for me, 1 John 4, right? Because he loved, or I love him because he first loved me. So because he loved me, I love him in return. And if I love him in return, I'm going to love those that he loves. That's other people. Regardless of what they look like, regardless of what social status they're at, regardless of where they live, regardless of what their nationality is, Regardless of whether they make my, my kind of food or they don't make my kind of food. 
regardless whether they agree with me or not. Oh, don't go there, Christina. I mean, I like all those other social things, but let's not bring it into the church, okay? But yeah, think about that. That means I got to love Calvinists. I mean, I'm joking, okay? <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, no, I do love them. It's okay. I have a great, great conversation with them. But I got to love a Jehovah's Witness. Oh, oh, now I'm seven on toes. I got to love a Mormon. Does it make sense? Now, I don't accept them as, as believers, but the reality is I can't hate them. And I can guarantee you way back when Bob was first doing all the, and the debating and that kind of stuff, Bob didn't see him with a loving attitude. Bob was wanting to win the sword play right off the bat. Baby, I've got that one. You're king. king's down, baby. Checkmate. You know, it was all about winning the war, winning the battle, not seeing the person saved. Does it make sense? That's loving my neighbor as myself. I want them to come to know Jesus. That's the big deal. When they come to your door, praise God. God brought a lost person to your door. Do you close the door on them? You ought not close the door on them. You got the truth. And God's brought them to your door to find out truth. You're closing the door on them. You're condemning them to hell. That's not very loving. Christina? Yeah, entertaining angels unaware. That's exactly right. So many times we do that, and we just put it by. So God, God is not a respecter of persons, right? He, he takes care of the poor, and that brings together this concept then, that if you love your neighbor, you fulfill the royal law, but if you show partiality, you are what? Rebuked the same. You're rebuked by that same law. And it's by that law you will be, take, don't take this as an eternal statement at this moment, you will be condemned. We're going to get to Romans 3 in a few weeks. And it's going to say, Be not many masters or teachers, such have the greater condemnation. I don't think I lose my eternal security for teaching falseness. However, I'm going to give an account if I teach falseness. We'll talk about that when we get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that you, as a believer, are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you're going to give an account for everything you've done in the flesh. There is going to be some condemnatory concept that goes on even for believers. I hate hearing believers, as long as I get there, I don't care if I'm in peanut heaven, baby, I'm there. Really? you got a wrong attitude. If that's your attitude, I don't want to be in your shoes when you get there. 1 Corinthians 3 says that when you're judged by fire, those things which are wood, hay, and stubble will be gone, will be destroyed, but that which is of silver, gold, and precious stones will remain. My prayer is that everything I'm building is with silver, gold, and precious stones. Not because I want all those treasures in heaven. I've again learned that if I'm yearning for and looking for building myself up treasures in heaven, it's still selfish because I'm still thinking about Bob trying to be this rich guy in heaven and looking at everybody else going, ah, <laughs> look at me, I serve God and I got all these treasures in heaven and you ain't got nothing. If that's my attitude, then I'm still doing them for who? For Bob, not for God. And I ain't getting any treasures in heaven. Check your attitude. Make sense? So, God loves. God loves. And he wants to give as a result of his love. And he doesn't assess people based upon the things that we assess them on. This leads us into this condemnation. Whoever keeps the whole law, yet they stumble at what? One point. Does this remind you of a certain church in the book of Revelation? How about the church of Ephesus? 
I know your works. They're great works. You've done wonderful things. You have even tested those who said they're prophets and you found them to be false. Nevertheless, I have one thing against you. You've lost your first love. And if you don't repent and return from whence you have fallen, I'm going to come and remove the candlestick from you. I never want us to be that church. To have lost your first love, why do we do what we do? Is it so we can fill the, fill the chapel up, fill the overflow room up? That's not the reason we do it. Praise God when it happens, more people to be able to minister and that kind of stuff, but that shouldn't be our goal. It's God's kingdom being expanded, not our kingdom being expanded. That we love others because that is what God has called us to do. Because we have the love of God flowing in us and through us and is squeezing out in us in everything that we do. And so if I obey the whole law, but I stumble in the part of partiality, I got any little prejudice in me. I'm guilty of what? Breaking the whole law. God's not content with just 1% sin. We are. I'm 90% good. I feel really good about myself because I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, well, you're like 60% good. Don't we do that? We analyze each other. You know, as long as I'm 90%, yeah, you because know, nobody on this earth is going to be what? Perfect. So I so I become content with my imperfectness. That's why Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. He knew what God's purpose for him in life was, and that was to be conformed to the image of Christ. So he was not content, but to continue to move forward with it. Matthew 5, why I have that up there? This word guilty here is the word which actually means to be liable of. And so Jesus says in Matthew 5, he says, You've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger. Well, literally, it will be in liable. They will be liable of the, the judgment. Okay, and so it goes on. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be liable of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be liable of the counsel. But whoever says, you fool, shall be liable or guilty of hellfire. Does that make you squirm? It ought to make you squirm. It ought to never, ever, ever not make you squirm. If you are treating people on the earth with partiality or prejudice and you're calling them names, you're murdering them. That's the standard of Christ. That's according to the perfect law of liberty. You have been freed to serve by grace. To treat people with the love, bless you, and respect that God has given to you. Finally, the conclusion. We have a precept and then a principle. The precept is, so speak and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. The principle then is judgment is without mercy to the one who has no mercy. But mercy, what? What's, this, what's it end with? Mercy triumphs over judgment. Problem is, we don't. Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged. And with what judgment you judge others, it shall be unto you. And why do you look, O oh man, at the speck that's in your brother's eye when there's a beam in your own eye? 
First, take care of the beam in your own eye. Then you'll be able to see clearly to help your brother with the speck in his eye. Romans 2, it's at the very end of Romans 1. If you remember Romans 1, that's the condemnation at the end, right? That they've suppressed the truth and God's wrath is coming upon them because they've exchanged the glory of the Creator for the, for the creation and all that kind of stuff, right? And so they come through this all that kind of stuff and, and we as righteous people, we can sit there and we go, yeah, 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 oh, I can't believe that, it's awful. But Romans 2 then says, and why, who are you then, oh man, who judge another and you do the same? We talked about it in Sunday school, okay? Again, real quick, just very briefly, okay? The concept of um, self-control. We can look down our nose at alcoholics. We can look down our nose at, 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 at drug addicts. But really, what's their issue? Let's say a believer who struggles with those things. Their issue is self-control. And if you cannot walk past a chocolate a bowl of chocolates without taking one, guess what? You struggle in the same manner that they struggle with. It's just that yours is socially acceptable. If you can't have a piece of juicy news information about somebody and pass it on, that's called gossip, just in case you don't know, that you ain't no different because you haven't got self-control. So judge not lest you be what? Judged. The perfect law of liberty is what he's going to use to judge. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you want God to be merciful to you? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm glad you're honest. Yeah. Oh, yes. That's exactly right. Why then do we not treat other people in the same manner? It doesn't mean I got to accept the sin and embrace the sin and, 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 and sin doesn't matter. But I still want to love them in the same manner in which God graciously loved me. So in the end, is there any form of prejudice with which you struggle? I should have said, I could have said, but I'm not as bold as saying what I am right now. Anyways, what is the form of prejudice that you struggle with? Because the reality is, probably somewhere down deep, every single one of us is struggling with some prejudice. You're prejudging people. And so it's best just to, to, to take that before the Lord. Are you willing to confess it? and then forsake it. Do you display partiality in your treatment of others? If the answer in that in anywhere is yes, then that means what? You need to go back to the first question and answer that again properly, okay? Do you tend to excuse certain of your personal behaviors while condemning others for theirs? Is that stepping on toes? I remember, I'm playing the, the share the wealth card here, okay? Yeah, it does. So it hurts me. So that's why I share it with you guys. So it hurts me less because then I can say, oh, you know, everybody else got to step on their toes too. Is there then a need to change the way you think? Metanoia, right? Repent. Change the way you think. And then you can epistrepho, repent again by, change, by changing your actions. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. You alone are the most high God. And you are not a respecter of persons. You do not show partiality when it comes to distributing your grace and your mercy and your love, your kindness, your faithfulness. You cause the sun to shine upon the just and the unjust. You cause rain to come to those who are sinners and those who are righteous. Lord, you are a, a, a gracious God. And I know, Father, that you love every individual on the face of the earth. And right now, even right now, my, my mind is going to those in the Middle East who are fighting and they're battling and, and people by the scores are dying. And so God, um, and they were even before this battle, forgive me for, 
for being so close-minded that I don't think about people all the time. Lord, I ask that your, your grace would pour out in a mighty way, that those who are called by your name in that region um, would have opportunities to share your grace. But Lord, I pray for that here, that you would help us who understand that you are the God of light, who gives good and perfect gifts. Lord, that we would want to share those good and perfect gifts with others rather than hoarding them to ourselves, rather than not wanting to, for certain individuals to, to, sh to have the joy of it. Forgive us, Lord, for setting ourselves up as judges. Help us, Lord, to be your servants, your bond slaves, who are willing to, to minister to others as you have ministered to us. In Christ's name, amen.